This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 18th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Law schools give students a false impression of the jobs that await them, and the cost of a legal education has left so many law students in six-figure debt. That, according to Brian Tamanaha in his new book, Failing Law Schools, we spoke following a forum for the book this week. You say that the third year of law school is unnecessary and that law schools and lawyers in general have an interest in keeping the system the way it is. How did that develop? In the beginning of the 20th century or late 19th century, there was a concerted effort on the part of elite law schools to impose a three-year law school requirement. At the time, most law schools were two years. And they imposed this requirement through two different agencies. One is the Association of American Law Schools, and the other is the ABA section on legal education. And, the, and both organizations had a confluence of interest that supported this. The law schools wanted the third year because it would provide more revenue to them. And the bar wanted the third year because at the time there were a significant number of urban schools that trained, uh, were training immigrants or recent uh, people from immigrant families. And the bar was opposed to what they called the flood of people without proper ethics coming into becoming shysters and so forth. And they were concerned about the image of lawyers. So because law schools had this interest and the bar had this interest, the additional, the third year served as a, as a barrier to access to the legal profession. And let me just add that at the time there were critics on the floor who opposed the third year requirement uh, precisely on the grounds that it would close down an avenue of upward mobility in society for working people and middle class people. Uh, but these objections uh, lost out. I think libertarians generally are well acquainted with professions trying to close themselves off to outsiders who may want to compete with them. The Institute for Justice has done a lot of work on occupational licensing in that regard. So it shouldn't be surprising that doctors and lawyers do the same thing. What has been the response to what you've been saying from the legal profession, from law schools, from accreditors? I think there are different reactions. So I've had, I've received very sharp criticism about the arguments in the book uh, from legal academics, and I've received support from legal academics. People outside the bar, I think, are surprised to learn about the problems with law school. I don't believe many people have followed how much it costs to go to law school or uh, what the average debt uh, of graduates is these days. And so I think uh, from the profession side, uh, this is just about them not knowing this basic information. The ABA created a task force to look into the problems with the economics of law school. Uh, but I have received support from, from practicing lawyers and, and especially support from recent graduates who come out uh, burdened by huge debt and with few employment opportunities. So I think it's fair to say the result has been mixed. Uh, wh whether anything will follow from, from it, I think rem it remains to be seen. Uh, but the, the, the sar sharpest criticisms have come from fellow legal academics. How did Americans become lawyers in the early days of the republic? In the 19th century, most lawyers became lawyers through apprenticeships, working in the office of another lawyer for several years and then learning the craft as, as it was thought of uh, at the time. In the late 19th century, uh, law schools began developing within universities. There were stand a few standalone law schools before that. Uh, and universities, uh, once they developed law schools, this kind of spread 
in a lot of places. But that, that was an important move because even at the time they said, well, law doesn't belong in the university unless it's, it's a science or what we would call today an academic or intellectual subject. So the legal educators had, a, had an interest in describing law as a science, as, as a form of knowledge that befits being in a university. Uh, and that, that schism has stayed with us ever since. That the, the question is, what, what are law schools for? Training lawyers, which would make us a trade school, or are we academic institutions? And we've struggled with this for, for over a century. And what the book shows is that in the last uh, quarter century or more, we've uh, gone very heavily in the academic institution side of this balance in a way that uh, increase our costs significantly because a great deal of what law professors do with their time is produce scholarship. For those who aren't aware of it, can you walk us through sort of the economics of law school, legal education, salaries, and sort of the impacts on the, the market for, for lawyers? Well, I, the, the core theme in the book is that the cost of obtaining a law degree is far in excess to the economic return obtained by the majority of students. So that's not everyone. There are students who land corporate law jobs and the law degree pays off quite nicely. But most students do not uh, end up in that position. So let me just provide a few basic statistics to demonstrate this. The average debt of private law graduates in 2011 was $125,000. Uh, the average two-thirds of the graduates uh, go to private law schools. But the average debt overall was over $100,000. Uh, now, the median salary for the class of 2011 was $60,000, and that, that median is a bit high because that, is a, that, that median is calculated based upon people who respond to the salary surveys, and many people who earn the lowest salaries don't respond. But, no, uh, but let's just take those two pieces together. So a student with the average debt of $125,000 who earns the median salary of $60,000 cannot make the monthly payments uh, on the debt. And I use this to encapsulate the basic structural problem. And when you think about it, where I'm talking about tens of thousands of students uh, who, are, who end up in this position. Now, uh, on top of that, for the class of 2011, only 55% of the graduates nine months after graduation had landed full-time jobs as lawyers. So, so the situation is quite dramatic. Uh, 55% land jobs as lawyers, and then even the ones who do land jobs, uh, most of them don't have the ability to manage the monthly debt. And as a result of this economic mismatch, uh, thousands of lawyers will end up on a government-sponsored loan repayment program called income-based repayment. Uh, and this is just inevitable. They just simply don't earn enough uh, to avoid this, this program. Uh, and so the core argument in my book is that the cost has, ri has risen far in excess of the rate of inflation, but also risen far above what any reasonable economic return could, could support in terms of that cost. Uh, and that this, this, as a result of this, we have um, many graduates who are in dire financial straits. Now, their situation is eased somewhat by the income-based repayment plan. I think it's important to mention that. Uh, but we should also ask, as a general matter, whether this allocation of resources is, is efficient or wise. Ryan Tamanaha is author of Failing Law Schools. You can watch a forum for the book at our website, cato.org.